Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Family Caregiver Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Susan Bida, the co-founder of eCareDiary.com and your host for today's show. Today we're focusing on interactive storytelling for seniors with memory loss, and I am very pleased to introduce uh, James Rosenberger, who is the creator of Audible Therapies. And Audible Therapies is a therapeutic music and storytelling service based in Cincinnati, Ohio. He and I were just talking behind the show, um, before the show started, and uh, we were talking about the idea that Audible Therapies is like art care. And uh, he'll, he'll be on in a second to talk more about that. Let me tell you a little bit more about James. He is an award-winning actor, musician, director, and storyteller, and he visits an average of 146 long-term care communities per year offering custom monthly-themed programs that impact over 10,000 residents. Uh, His newest offering is called Every Picture Tells a Story, which uses his photographs taken from around the world. So I'm so curious to hear about that. James, thank you so much for joining us once again. How are you? I'm fine, Susan. I guess we're having the same weather, so I'm glad to have a distraction. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, tell us, uh, let's talk, let's dive right into uh, uh, the show and tell us about storytelling in senior care communities or the long-term care communities. How did, how did that all get started for you? Well, truth be told, I had a father who was in a community up in north uh, central Ohio. And after spending time with my dad, who I lost in 2004, uh, I spent a lot of visits with a man who didn't want to have any involvement uh, with therapy or get involved within the community. So I found myself taking my guitar, and uh, the one that he bought me, and uh, singing songs that I knew he used to like. And it became a great way to spend time, because when I did the music, my father would offer up stories. And that's really after I lost, uh, lost him, I consulted with some people who, one guy is a, is a minister, another gal is a Um, uh, gerontology specialist and social worker and and really got their ideas and that's really how it started back in in actually 2004. Wow, that's incredible. So the music would motivate him or trigger a memory. Oh yes, and and I think that's what you're going to hear throughout what I'm talking today is memory and metaphors and how they interact and what can be triggers. And you know, I think it was Dick Clark who said music is the soundtrack of our lives. And it's so true. Yeah. I mean, people relate. I bet you if I asked you a favorite song, you could you could offer something up at any particular age, you know. Uh, so music is very powerful, and it also engages the phonological loop, which connects to the right side of the brain. And that's where true appreciation and a good sense of feeling comes from. Well, that's great. Tell, tell us what... Um I, I can sense what uh, the term oral histories are, but tell us from your perspective what are oral histories. And you talk about this on your site, and let me just share for a moment that uh, James's uh, website, uh, if you're interested in learning more, is called audibletherapies.com, just uh, spell the way it sounds, audibletherapies.com. So, James, tell us a little bit about uh, oral histories. 
and the importance. I will do that, but let me also just continue yeah. your, your kind advertisement. They can also find me on Facebook at Therapeutic okay. Music and Storytelling for Seniors. That's my public page. So, again, that's Therapeutic Great. Music and Storytelling for Seniors. Now, back to the oral histories. Uh, do you read the Wall Street Journal? Yes. Today, Wall Street Journal in the front page of the Personal Journal. So that's today, Tuesday the 4th. Headline is, Legacy Video, Last Gift from a Terminally Ill Patient to a Loved One. And down in the, bottom, in the middle of the article, this is what is said. Research has shown that improvements in mental health and general well-being can result when people have the chance to tell their stories. Mm. How incredible. Well, it, it's just I love it when that kind of synchronicity occurs, and it's something that's so timely yeah. because, you know, a person turns 65 every seven seconds. Right. That's the statistic, and we are I'm quickly approaching that statistic as well. So, you know, we have to continue to re- reaffirm our authentic sense of self, and what I have really tried to do is is always view that all individuals, no matter what strings may be broken on their instrument, they still have a life worth living, you know, and they can make music and, as well as enjoy it. So that's really the way I blend and weave the, the music, the stories, and now, thank goodness, these images that have been in my possession for a long time. Wonderful. So the, the oral histories are, are not just the spoken oral histories, but they're, they're also visual um, they're pictures, and we're pictures that we create from recalling certain events in our lives. Absolutely. You know, and I'm going to be talking about what's called a memory box, uh, if people don't know that term, perhaps a little bit later on. But to, to go back to the importance of, you know, there's just think about the, the four-way benefit of telling stories. I mean, there's the benefit of, uh, for ourselves, which is a psychological function, There's the benefit for others, like our family members, so that's a sociological function. Mm -hmm. There is that thing, the mystery of life, which is a spiritual function. And then how we exist as a biological reality in the universe around us, and that's a philosophical side. So really that's the true power of stories because they can be in all of those four categories or one but if once you mm-hmm. connect, that's where the power resides. And so these oral histories, and can I remind you that November is always has been designated as Family History or Oral History Month. So it's a great oh. time to do it. You know, if, perhaps if you're sitting around the Thanksgiving table, for instance, I recommend, you know, say what you're thankful for and what's your favorite memory of thanks that you would want to share with your family. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that, again, that a way of doing it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, sure. and, it, uh, and it, well, how wonderful does that November is also National Family Caregivers Month. So it's a good thing for us to know, for us uh, families who are caring for an aging parent or loved one or even someone with a long-term illness, uh, the, thera- the therapeutic nature of uh, storytelling. So uh, I've you know, been on Susan, your website. Yeah. Can I interrupt? Yeah. I'm sorry. Sure. Um, you and I were talking before the show about that word therapeutic. And so many words are loaded and can be off-putting. And I think to a, 
for me, trying to see my dad and separate his issues, he had both Parkinson's and cancer, um, and sometimes those symptoms became him, and he would be so lost, and I didn't know then what I know now. So that sense of urgency that I talked about, uh, you know, of getting these stories shared, that I'm reminded about that I want to make sure I mention. The fact that there are, you know, 5.4 million people in America suffering from Alzheimer's. You know, that's why it's so important to validate and join and, and maybe even use these things as an easy kind of care, just a way of having fun. Right. You know, my dad would light up when he'd talk about the the Navy. And the best tip I remember, I, I laughed so hard, he said, never, if you join the Navy, accept the rank of captain of the head. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the little gems that I never heard before. Uh-huh. So, as I said, I, I've experienced firsthand what the power of sharing family stories and and I know they're good for you and they do enhance a good feeling so maybe it's not an issue of making it a heavy capital T therapeutic maybe it's as simple as just having fun and doing some care giving truly by that word yeah no I I couldn't agree with you more so so tell us about every picture tells a story I've been on your site and I see that this is a new program um, that utilizes photographs. So tell us how that works. Well, I'm so excited, that, and I'm sure my wife is too, because now I finally have found a way of using photographs that have been in my collection for almost 50 years. Uh, by the way, last year I turned, it was my 50th anniversary of being a musician and a performer in a paid person. So I'm really grateful and feel blessed for that. And then these images that have always been there, I've been using guided imagery in my storytelling. A lot of it's family history pictures. Mm -hmm. One in particular is my dad and my grandparents, his parents, out in front of the family farm in Seville, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And whenever I show that picture, someone in my sessions will say, oh, that looks just like either my farm or that's where my cousin grew up. Oh, and it wow. finally became apparent to me that I had images that I, as a photographer, and keep in mind I've been in the, the corporate media and live event business for 36 years as well. So mm-hmm. the idea of, as my program's called, Every Picture Tells a Story, that actually comes from a Doan's Pills ad back at the <laughs> turn of the 19th century. Oh and it was gosh. a picture of a man with his hand on his back looking like he has kidney problems mm-hmm. and with that was the line every picture tells a story <laughs> by Don's pills <laughs> oh how funny so advertisers have always been involved with the power of you know and there's those sayings like a picture tells a thousand words and that's mm-hmm. really what I go after with my photos I have a range of things that are people places and things and they act as again memory triggers triggers and Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised what comes out i hear people tell me about their parents and their jobs but it's a way of also giving the listener a way to kind of go off in their imagination Mm -hmm. because the good news is some people with dementia retain a lot of memory 
The sad news is a lot of others lose that memory, but they haven't lost their imagination. Right. So you can, if, if I'm lucky, I get this storehouse of ideas and affective memories and emotions simply because I've engaged, again, their right brain. That's fascinating. So uh, you were saying that um, that many of the um, communities that you work in are are specifically dementia oriented or Alzheimer's oriented. So, uh, and I'm just curious about what what kind of experiences do you have, or what uh, experiences do um, I hate to say this the patients have uh, when you show them the photography? What you know, I guess. Can you share some of your stories about what happens? Oh, I, I don't mean to, to talk the whole time, but I, I've got this. As I said, I've been working on this for over ten years of trying to find out how to to raise people's sense of self and help them rise out of despair. Because you know, when you get into these places, a lot of times mm-hmm. in the facilities and communities that they, you know, care communities as they're called these days, you yeah. can still become just a number. Yeah. which is why I think it's such a blessing and yet so hard for family caregivers, as my dad tried to do for my mother who had Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a terrible task. So it can be so difficult to think about, well, what else can I do to help people? But I have oftentimes family members in my sessions who are visiting their parents, and I'll do a song like Good Night, Irene. Inevitably, somebody knew an Irene and had sung that song to that person. Boom, they've got a memory trigger, right? Yeah. So then if I then, now I've got them engaged in the right mind, then if I show them a picture of a fork in the road, it's a metaphor, right? Sometimes they don't even see the fork. You know, they comment on the trees, the shadows, what have you. But then I might show them an elderly person, an older picture of a guitarist that I found in Peru whose guitar was covered with duct tape and he had taken off his shoes and had blue socks on and these people will go through and tell me all the details of what they see because you know the bottom line is it's kind of like what Anais Nin said we don't see things as they are we see we see things as we are Mm mm-hmm so I get a lot of, of associ- both personal associations, memories, as well as just fan. Like I have another picture of two bubbles in Barcelona, just two bubbles that a street performer had made. But I caught the image with the city reflected and people are upside down in the bubbles. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that one in particular really resonates. <laughs> and I've never figured out exactly why. Oh, uh, the, bu- the picture of the bubbles. The, bu- the picture of the bubbles with people inside. Oh, and uh, I'm I'm curious about. Um, so, for example, uh, does it also help? I mean, some who are living in these communities who are not necessarily engaged. Does it help them to engage? Uh, uh, like, if, if one is particularly silent and and really doesn't, uh, you know, socialize very much, does this necessarily help them i guess does it does it uh motivate them to um to speak up well 
the good news is, I, at least from the standpoint of, of involvement and having a better sense of self, that's exactly what happens. And again, whether you, you know, I, I also want to disabuse the notion, sometimes people still are stuck with the idea that reminiscence or nostalgia is a bad mm-hmm. thing, and it's not. It's been proven over and over again that anything you can do to get a pathway to the memory, whether it's a photograph or music or textiles or physical objects or whatever, there is an absolutely quantifiable better result for people with mild Alzheimer's and related dementia. I mean, that's the studies are in. And a lot of times if that means that people will feel closer and happier, that they're sh- you know, sharing nostalgic memories, whether it's through you know, family history or something that leads them off of that, if they want to talk mm-hmm. about it, Go for it. Yeah. So, uh, so this is uh, this is really great. So the pictures have, have really the pictures and the music. Talk talk to us a little bit about um, the music and how and you talk about therapeutic music as opposed to music therapy. What what is the difference there? Well, that's the million dollar question. And once again, <laughs> how terms can sometimes get skewed. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the I'll give you the most simple answer. Music therapy has been around for a long time. The use of music to be therapeutic has also. Music therapy is an active and interactive, usually with a group of people, it can be on a one-on-one situation, but it's an active set of, of procedures. Therapeutic music that I do is meant to soothe and to make people relax. And mm-hmm. it's the only thing that I've ever done where, as I was told in my training, that if the person falls asleep, I've done a great job. <laughs> I mean, it was really, as somebody who grew up playing in rock and roll bands in the 60s and you know, you have used music as entertainment, I did not understand how powerful music can be for people at different stages of their lives, especially at the end sure. of their life. Sure, yeah. And so uh, does, this, does this mean that you, uh, does this make you a, a trained clinical, clinical musician, so to speak? I've, I've not heard that I, term before. But. Yeah, there is a group of, of clinically certified therapeutic musicians, um, mm-hmm. and they have been working for a long time kind of on the outer fringes, and there's again a misunderstanding sometimes between what the difference is i hope i explained it uh, clearly enough the way I, it goes back to again that that question of therapy whether something is active clinical therapy if you just do something that's better than nothing and you know one of the sad sides of of, of memory loss is people get lost and confused in themselves they don't know where they are who really where they are in the moment and instead of trying to joke around it or not, you know, validate it, join in, and then distract them into something that's positive. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's what I'm, these stories and, and pictures can do. That's great. And, and you know, um, so the vast majority of our listeners today are family caregivers. Many of them are at home, and that's one of the reasons we created this program is that many of them maybe can't, um, get out to, you know, um, and, and this online program just gives them easy access to 
all the um, wonderful programs that are out there. Uh, what would you suggest to a family caregiver at home caring for a loved one on how to uh, spark the you know attention from their loved one? How how would you suggest that they go about injecting music or family storytelling or images to you know do what you do but at home? Well, first I would I would absolutely encourage them all to to visit the audibletherapies.com website and look at the therapeutic music in this instance, because there's a number of, of links uh, with memoryandmusic.org that I have on my site, statistics. And the bottom line is there, there's a lot of things they can do. You can go and make, even if it's simple as creating a soundtrack, like I said earlier, music is the soundtrack of our lives. Find the music that was popular to that parent or family member when they were young and vibrant in their early 20s. If they have more severe dementia, you can back it up and actually use more traditional folk songs. I was so sad to hear that Pete Seeger died uh, last week because yeah. we do a number of both Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger songs, and these are mm -hmm. genuine hits. Along with You Are My Sunshine, always will get people singing. It really depends <laughs> on their level of dementia and cognition at that point. And there's also, by the way, getting back to the oral histories and life stories, there is a lifestorylibrary.org, lifestorylibrary.org, that will file your legacy stories, either in writing or on video or whatever, in perpetuity. Now, there are sites that will charge you for this. This is a site that actually collects life stories. And there is value in letting your your parent or family member, know that you want to know their story. You want to capture it. It's a way of sharing and connecting on a different level. Last but not least, a memory box, which I mentioned earlier, which yes. can be a photograph, a map, a hockey puck, uh, stuffed animals, which is a stand-in for a person or a place. Anything that, again, goes back to that person, place, and things that were important in their lives that they always know represent. My, my granddaughter, Caroline, is into superheroes right now. She wants to be Supergirl. So I made her a box that has a locket that symbolizes the symbol for her secret powers and a cape and a toothpick to pick her way out of things and just a bunch of little symbol things that were all meant <laughs> to be metaphors. And she's only four years old, and she got it. People are delighted oh. when you collect these mementos and put them in a memory box. They really sometimes become the last things that they can relate to. So, yes, absolutely. The jury is in. Music, good. Photos, good. Reminiscence, nostalgia, good. You know, and making the effort, even if you're not a therapist, if you come at it from your heart and validate people, that's the best thing you can do. What a great idea. I love this idea of the memory box. And uh, and absolutely, thank you so much for sharing uh, these great ideas. Uh, for our audience members, again, uh, James Rosenberger is at www.audibletherapies.com. And what was that other website you mentioned earlier about uh, life stories? It was Life Stories Library? Oh, yes. There is both. I'll give you a couple of things. There, again, somebody who wants to go on Google or Yahoo can find these. 
But these are great free things to check in on that might give you an idea or two. Um, one is the at uh, Southampton in uh, the UK, they have the Nostalgia Music Time Machine. So if you put in Music Time Machine, you'll be directed. Then, Or if you want to look for songs but don't know what was popular in, let's say, 1951, there's a site that's the 100 top songs of any year, which is at bobborst.com. So again, if you put in those things as a query, you'll probably get it. And you asked about lifestorylibrary.org. Again, lifestorylibrary.org. And one that I forgot to mention to you, you know, Maine uh, has uh, the National Life Story Center as part of their educational facility there, as well as the Scripps Gerontological Center in uh, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. You'd be surprised how many programs are currently being offered in colleges. So I always want to recommend that. Last but not least, go to blurb.com if you want to create a photo book. So maybe you can create a book of photos that are significant. Uh, you can also do this through the Macintosh, uh, the iStore, and iBooks, etc. But all of those things can make a difference. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all this great information. Um, I want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, would love to have you back and let us know um, what you're doing and uh, what new things you're doing. Uh, thank you to our audience for tuning in. I want to let you know that next Tuesday, February 11th at 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, for our live, we are having a live online support group created by and for caregivers, and it's moderated by Marjorie Pabst, who is eCare Diaries uh, caregiving expert. Uh, she will be speaking to uh, Deborah Dinosenzo. She is a, a very dynamic speaker, author, and coach about the challenges and joys of long-distance caregiving for a parent. Um, you're not living with them, but you're in another state or across the country, and what is that experience like? And we'll be speaking to um, a panel of caregivers about that experience. So tune in for that. Uh, eCareDiary.com is a, a website where we offer lots of uh, uh, information and resources for family caregivers. We uh, also there is a personal care diary uh, tool that you can use to help you manage care. Um, you can find us on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thank you again for joining us all, and thank you again, James. Take care. My pleasure, Susan. Great chatting with you. Stay warm Likewise. in Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, you too in Cincinnati. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye.